Hello, world, and welcome to Extra Shot with Alicia Fernandez-Miranda. That's me, author of my what-if year, ex-CEO, sometimes intern, coffee-obsessed mom. Extra Shot is a podcast, a talk show, an advice column. It's that and more, but really, it's about bringing some energy, enthusiasm, and insight into your day. Join me and my incredible friends, authors, actors, activists, and even other people whose jobs do not start with the letter A, for a half hour of laughs and delight. Because we all need an extra shot of something. Hello, everybody. Thank you for coming back to Extra Shot with Alicia Fernandez-Miranda. That is me. My extra shot this morning was an extra shot of espresso. That makes five today so far. And I don't know what to tell you. My kids are back in school, which is great, but also means I'm back to getting up very early. I am not a morning person, hence all the coffee. So I think there's going to be a lot of extra shots of espresso in my future. I hope this interview gives you an extra shot, an extra jolt, some exciting energy to your day. And I think it might because I have an amazing guest today. So some of the things that people have called my guest today, unstoppable book messenger extraordinaire, media entrepreneur, bookfluencer, momfluencer, other words that end in fluencer, I'm sure as well. She is an author, a bookstore owner, a publisher, a podcaster, and a mom. Maybe by now you know I'm talking about the great Zibby Owens. Zibby approaches the world with openness and authenticity. She is who she is at all times, which is an extraordinary thing about her. She's just started a substack with a bunch of essays about her life on a regular basis. There was one recently called, What's Your Sign? The X-Rated Gift I Accidentally Gave My 10-Year-Old, which is hilarious. I recommend it. And I wanted to read you this little piece from a recent essay she wrote about Camp Visiting Day. Moments later, I was standing barefoot on the splinter-filled walkway straight out of Peter Pan. Wendy walking the plank, I followed the kids down to the water fully aware that my backside was on display for the rest of the camp. I tried to cover my butt, not even my butt, the area where my butt and legs become undulating mounds. Does that area even have a name? Well, we didn't figure out the name for that area in this interview, but we did talk about a bunch of other amazing stuff. So let me tell you who Zibby Owens is. And also please stay tuned after the interview for a fabulous, fabulous segment. Ask Judy and Linda a career advice column with my friends at Evolve Me, which I think you will enjoy. But back to Zibby. Zibby Owens founded Zibby Media, a privately held media company, in 2018 with her award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books, a must-listen if you don't already do so. The company has grown to include a publishing house, magazine, podcast network, an education platform, a book club, and events. Zibby is a regular contributor to Good Morning America and many other outlets. She's the author of three books, a memoir called Bookends, Princess Charming, which is an adorable kid's book, and a novel that's coming out in March called Blank. Zibby is a graduate of Yale University and Harvard Business School. She's the owner of Zibby's Bookshop in Santa Monica, and she lives in New York and Pacific Palisades with her husband and her four children. You can follow her on Instagram at Zibby Owens. 
Zibby Owens. Alicia Fernandez Miranda. <laughs> the OG podcaster of my life. You're the first and still pretty much only podcast I listen to. <laughs> that includes my own. Um, welcome to Extra Shot. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. How is your summer going? We are recording this in the summertime. We've got four kids. Is it, are you, do you love it? Do you like love the summer having all the kids at home or do you count down the days till September? Which is, no, I, I vacillate love, back and forth. <laughs> I, I love the summer. I really love it. I wait all year for it. It's going by too quickly. I was just saying to the kids the other day, like, it's so nice because when we go out of New York City for the summer and like at nights, there is no distractions. Like I don't go anywhere. I just hang out with the kids. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm just lame in the summer, but... I don't know. It's nice not feeling pulled. I love. I feel like the summer is. It's. It feels like the time where I get to know my kids the best. After like the intensity of the school year, and so much of the school year is just about like getting from point A to point B and doing the thing that needs to be done and like managing yep. and shuffling. And then we have these like lazy times in the summer where we can just have a conversation. And yep. it's really. It is. My, that's my favorite thing. That and not waking up to take the kids to school are my two favorite things about summer vacation. It is so nice. Yeah. It's so nice. A little bit less stress. And that is definitely yeah. worthwhile. So you, you know, you have a lot going on in your life, in your professional life. You've been publishing books since February. I heard the first one was fantastic. I have it was like a blockbuster. I loved the author so much. <laughs> she reminds me of you. I don't know. It's crazy. Very similar. That's such a high compliment. Thank you. <laughs> and you know, you've done some pretty incredible podcast interviews this year with like rock star authors. And so are you having pinch me moments? Like, are have those been happening since you started publishing? Like, what have those been for you? Those like incredible moments where you're like, I can't believe I get to do this. I had a pinch me moment the other day seeing your book in the airport, which I had not expected. I was like, my husband Kyle was like, all right, well, you want to wander around book soup? Maybe your books are going to be here. I was like, no, no, our books aren't going to be here. It's fine. Like, no big deal. And then I walked in, I was like, oh, <laughs> also a pinch me moment for me. <laughs> yeah. I was first first I saw Hedge on the table. And then I like turned around to say something. And then there was your book on the wall. Anyway, that was so amazing. Sometimes I I know like if this side of the other thing is coming, this site, like it was just so great. And just having wider distribution and having everything like catch on. We just posted for, I mean, they will be filled by the time this aired, but to, you know, junior level positions at the company and the quality of applications we're getting is so amazing. Wow. I mean, so it's just really wonderful. So those are some some great moments. And then of course the guests that I get are wonderful. This morning I interviewed Lisa C, whose book Snowflower and the Secret Fan I read like forever and a year ago. And that was amazing. And so we talked about the new book, but I don't know, just every day it's it's so fun. Like I'm interviewing Matthew McConaughey. I Ooh. got Cody, I got Cody for you, Alicia. <gasps> We're gonna interview him together at okay, some point. I can't, I can't. I can't. I'll need to that's Cody Rigsby of Peloton fame. So now that this is recorded in the podcast, it's gonna have to happen basically. No, no, it's happening. I, I feel like they sent over dates or something. So yeah. <laughs> it's so Cool. And you had you spoke to John Irving not that long ago, right? That was that amazing. That was also amazing. I'm like, how does he just have his name up on Zoom? Like John Irving is in the waiting room. I'm like, seriously? <laughs> like John Irving is a legend. He can't just be on Zoom. How can you know it's so yeah, these things happen a lot. It's it's this, just crazy and it's wonderful. So, there's something though I love about you is that you are such a fan of books. When you love a book, you really love a book. You're effusive about it. There's no, you know, you read. You do interviews every day of the year. You're reading submissions. You're reading so much. And yet 
you still find stuff that you're just like, I love this book so much. I want to tell everybody in the world about it. And you post about it sometimes on Instagram. I mean, what is it in a book that makes you just think, God, I'm not tired of this at all. I'm so glad I get to do this for my job. Oh, there's so much. I mean, the writing is great. Something about the plot. I don't know. I can usually tell though in the first few pages, like not to make snap judgments or anything, but like I really have to be drawn in. Sometimes I wonder if I had got pitched now, some of the books that have been my favorites over the years, Mm -hmm. would I have the patience to go in? Because I don't have a lot of time. Like sometimes I cover the books, but I, I don't always read. I can't read all the books. I do mm-hmm, of course. Books. But I'm like, would I have taken the time to read? I don't know. That's so interesting actually, because you do kind of have to think about that now that you are making those decisions and putting out books, right? So yeah. Yeah. that would be so interesting to think about like the summaries of books that you've loved. Are these yep. things that you would have gone further? Huh? Yeah. Do you think, do you think you might not have? No, not to publish, just to mm, read. Just to like read. Would, would I, you know, cause sometimes some, I can't like spend a month on a book anymore. Mm-hmm. And I miss that. I really yeah. do. But I don't know. Trade-offs. I just read Yellow Face. I'm not sure if you've read it. I have it. to read that. No, yeah. I have you do, to. You do have to read I it. I know, I know, I know, I know. But that was an example of a book that is so not my typical fare. And I have just heard so many good things about it. And the author is going to be at the Edinburgh Book Festival this summer. And I'm going to see her. I'm covering the book festival for Zibby Mag, which is going to be amazing. So I was like, I should probably read her book because, you know, I'm going to go see her talk. And I, it was one of those just beautiful surprises. And that's what I love. Like I picked it, I had zero expectations. And I was like, Mm -hmm. this is not a rom-com or a fantasy with dragons, which are like basically my two favorite genres of reading. (laughs) What is this book even going to be about? And it was just so good. And I I love that feeling. I think no matter how many times it happens, I'm still surprised by reading something like blows me away. You have got to read that book though. It is. I know not- I have it. I know. Usually I read for deadlines. Like I yeah. read based on my calendar when things are coming up and if they're not scheduled, I wait, but this is stupid. I just have to skip the line and read this book. Everyone's it's such a it. like skewering yep. of publishing in such yeah. a, yeah, it's just, to, it's just great. High I recommend to anybody who's looking for it. So now you are also a bookstore owner. I am. How is Zibby's bookshop doing? The Beast Bookshop is great. Yeah. It's in Santa Monica. There was no bookstore in Santa Monica. It was so awesome. It is so awesome. But I just found out yesterday they're opening a Barnes & Noble <gasps> in Santa Monica Promenade on 3rd Street, which is not that far away. We're on 11th Street. So I don't know. I'm going to be living out my own You've Got Mail moment. But you hopefully, you know, the great authors and publicists and publishers will still send their books of course, my store and my store is all about community and it's a very different model anyway. So not exactly trying to compete. And also the third street promenade is super touristy and everything, but hopefully it won't really crush us, but I'm loving doing it. I love our team there. Our team is so great. Yeah, Like I had no expectations. I think this is the secret to life is low expectations in every <laughs> arena because it's not that I, you know, you I was, heard it here first. Guys, here is an exclusive. I hope that we find people who can be good booksellers. And it never occurred to me, like, I'm going to assemble a team of people who I love and who are now all like really good friends with their own community taking over their lives for the store. I mean, it's like a sitcom going on. So Amazing. that's really great. It's been an unexpected joy. That's why, though, the bookstore is going to be fine. Because, you know, we had a similar thing happen when I was in high school or college and I was working at Books and Books in Miami and they opened a Barnes and Noble just a block or two away on Miracle Mile. And You've Got Mail was already out at the time. So of course, everybody was like, "Ah!" 
And the community was rallying around and there was a real fear because Books and Books had been there for, at that point, 20 some odd years. And, but it was such a place of community for people. It's amazing to see now how much that store has like grown and thrived. But like that real fear, it never turned out to be founded. The Barnes and Noble is also still there. And there's an even bigger Books and Books. And I'm guessing there's just enough book loving to go around. I'm hoping that's what happens in Santa Monica too. I think so too. I think so. And are you back and forth a lot between LA and New York? It depends on sort of the seasons with the kids. You call yourself bi-coastal? I don't. (laughs) (laughs) I don't use that word, but I say that I spend a lot of time in LA, which is true. Mm. This summer in particular, I have two eight-day stretches. One already happened and one is coming up when the kids will all be on assorted programs and camps and things. So that's really nice. I like when I can have a minute to settle in. I'm basically finding everywhere I go that is not New York City, I feel much calmer. So really? (laughs) I'm like, I'm so calm in LA. I'm so calm on Long Island. That's not what you usually hear about LA. So I'm very glad to, I'm glad to hear that. People are like, LA, it's so stressful. There's so much traffic. (laughs) No, because I stay like on the west side of LA and I don't even get on the highway that much and the freeway, whatever. Yeah. I asked you when I interviewed you for Quit Your Day Job, which was now well over a year ago, I think, about if you would choose LA over New York or New York over LA. And you said you were a born and bred New Yorker, always New York. Do you think that is still the case? I think I'm going to amend that answer. (gasps) Edit. I think that I will, to the extent that I can continue flying and make this work, I will continue being in both places because I need the energy of New York to counteract the lower certain yeah. speed. But I think as my kids get older, I will be spending a lot more time there, particularly because my husband Kyle's production company is there. But I just opened an office in New York City. So I think we'll be I think we'll be back and forth. I think yeah. I, I just love having all of all of the inputs. You know, it's like similar to the job. Like I don't like just doing one thing. I like going to a lot of places, having a lot of kids, doing a lot of jobs. Like I I, I just I I I don't know. There's something wrong with me, I guess. I like how you looped in doing a lot of jobs with having a lot of kids. (laughs) But it's true. It's like the multitasking, you know, like I like having a lot of different things going on at the same time. I love the variety. I actually think it was during COVID when we were in lockdown, that was the thing I missed the most. I couldn't stand being in one place. And I was in the Isle of Skye. It was beautiful. We were safe. We had a lot of space, you know. But I just, I I missed all the things. And that is what I love. I love the extremes and I love having the opportunity to do many different things. Like, you know, I was telling you just before we started recording, I was up till 3 a.m. last night, which is not something that I typically do. And then I've got a weekend ahead where I will probably just be hanging out with the kids and like not leave the house for 48 hours. But I I feel like I need that in my life. Like I need both of those things to be a happy, well-rounded person. And I need, well, as you well know, many different internships and jobs and lots of (laughs) Well, because that is what keeps me happy. So where are you interning this year? What are you going to do? Man, I was just having this conversation last night because I still, I really want to do a marine biology internship. I have an itch to do that. And there is like an institute that is not so far from Edinburgh. It's in St. Andrews. So it's maybe like an hour and a bit away. But the water is very cold up here. And even in mm. the summer, if I'm getting in, it is, you know, I do it. I swim, but it's not Miami temperatures. Yeah. So that is a consideration. But also I think it's a little bit, you know, I had so much momentum when I was on, when I was doing it, you know, in the, my what if year period. And now there's always kind of reasons like, oh, well, you know, I could do this, but we're going to be away this week or so I do, I would really love to do more. Let's say I'm interning as a journalist for 
Zibby Mag at the book festival because maybe Perfect. that's my little internship. Yes, yes. entertainment reporting. <laughs> what would you What would you do if you could do any internship? What would you do? Um, I would mind like working at a restaurant. I've never done that. Really? Like not when you were younger, nothing like that. No, all my jobs when I was younger revolved around kids. Mm. Babysitter, mother's helper, camp counselor, like, you know, after school, I even worked at like a hospital in the new baby unit. Like it all it revolved around kids yeah. or writing. And so I just never worked in the restaurant world and I'm fascinated by it. And now, of course, I'm watching The Bear like everybody else in the world. And well, I haven't seen it yet. I really want to watch it. I just started it. It's, it's intense. It's like totally intense. So I feel like I might want to just see what that's all about. When Carlos eventually opens his ramen restaurant, you can we'll give you a stage. They call it, it's like an internship in the restaurant industry. Perfect. Perfect. I hire you. If you open a ramen restaurant, you might have to give an internship to my eight-year-old who's like obsessed with ramen. Perfect. So you just got back from Japan, right? How was your trip? I did. It was amazing. Yeah. uh, Again, planned by my eight-year-old who's like, you know, a 50-year-old guy trapped (laughs) in the body of an eight-year-old. So we did a lot of the Pokemon things that he wanted to do. Yeah. But then a lot of, we scattered in a lot of other things. And then while we were there, planned a one night trip to Kyoto because everyone's like, you have to go. And then yeah. I was like, okay, you know what? We've done enough here in Tokyo. I think we can fit it in. So yeah. I just booked us on the bullet train. It was good. You know, I think the best was just having us all see what it feels like to be the person on the outside, not understanding the language, being in a new place, seeing how much it matters when the people who live there are kind and understanding and accepting and how it is not always that way in the United States and like what part we can play to make it easier for people. So I think just as an exercise in empathy, it was, it was really great. It's pretty extraordinary to be able to take your kids so far out of their comfort zone. And I remember when we went to Tokyo, it was 2018 and the twins were six and a half, I think. And, you know, the flight is long and my kids are still getting plane sick on every flight at the time. They don't do that anymore. Oh, no. So we arrived like, you know, shells of people. And we got into a taxi at the train station. And before the taxi started moving, my daughter just said, I'm going to be sick. And she just opened the car door and threw up outside the car door. Okay. And Japan is like a real, people are very clean. It's very clean. Like it's like not a throw up on the street kind of place. And I was mortified because I was like, oh my God, this taxi driver is going to kick us out. People are going to be horrified by us. And instead, like six people came over to offer help. Did we need? A woman pulls out some tissues from her purse. Another woman is writing down in Japanese the name of a like motion sickness medicine or, you know, everybody just like rallied in to help. And it was so touching because here we were, we knew nothing. We knew no one. We didn't speak the language. And everyone, and here was like a gross you know, kid throwing up at the side of a car. Oh man. Everybody just rallied. And it was like such a beautiful thing. I mean, we saw many beautiful things in Japan that were not my daughter puking, but uh, <laughs> that was a really beautiful moment. I'm so glad your kids got to experience that and that they loved yeah, it. Yeah. It was really nice for them. So you have just celebrated the book birthday of bookends. Happy book birthday, right? That was a few weeks ago. Yes, I did. Okay. Is there, when you think about that memoir, is there anything you would have done differently? Things you would have included or excluded? Or did you just, when it was out, it was done and you just were able to kind of move on from it? I wish I had included more books. Like there, I have a book. More books. There's so many books in that book. (laughs) I know, but still I'm like, there are so many more books that I loved growing up or in my adult life before the book that I didn't include. So I've had some like, why didn't I include, include that book in the reading list moments? But in terms of the story, no, it, it it is what it is. And I've, yeah. Feel good about it. Would I have done things differently? 
No, I guess it came out when it needed to come out. I feel like I should probably still be marketing it, but I'm not. But I don't know. <laughs> That's like a very healthy attitude. And in fact, we had this conversation the other day with a couple of the Zibby booksellers about whether or not you read your reviews. Do you read review? Did you read reviews of bookends when it came out? Like Goodreads, Amazon, blah, blah, blah. So Kyle and I had an afternoon where he read me a lot of the reviews out loud. <laughs> only the good one, only the good ones. Did you like filter for the five? No, stars? they were the bad ones. They were the bad ones too. Or did I read them to him? I don't know. We were like sitting side by side and just we were like, we're gonna allocate this time to the reviews and then not read them again. And that's what we did. So we just like I just never went back. Although I happened to be on Goodreads today, like posting in the blog function or whatever. And and I was like, oh, well, this rating is not very good, but I'm just, I can't worry about it. Cause I had some people just couldn't relate and were like, I'm just going to give it a bad rating. Cause you know, I can't relate to you or whatever, which is totally, I mean, whatever people have their own issues. So I don't know. So basically, no, I don't. And yeah. I don't recommend reading reviews. I recommend having somebody who cares about you sending an occasional nice review or two your yeah. way. And then otherwise just forgetting about the whole thing. I will say though, that I wish I had maybe had more people read it ahead of time or maybe, you know, I don't know mm. where you can do something about it, but yeah. now you can't, when it's out, there's nothing you can do. So. Oh, like before it was kind of in the, not like people reading arcs and reviewing, but actually like before when you were still drafting. Yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, but maybe not. So it's tough. I don't, I've read almost none, none of my reviews at all. Which None? makes me an anomaly among the Zippy Books authors because I Why, think- Why, are they all reading their reviews? I think, yeah. I think most authors that I've talked to like can't help but read their reviews, the good and the bad ones. But I don't, I don't want to, I definitely don't want to read the bad ones. Well, <laughs> I can't I, I'll change the you. book, it's done. So really whatever they want to say is, uh, it's too late now. I recently read reviews of my podcast, which I had never read before. Uh -huh. And most of them were nice, but one of them, one or two were so mean I like could not stop crying. That's awful. And I'm like, I can't, I'm too sensitive for this. I just can't do it. Can you imagine ever writing something like that? Like I can't even give someone a four star on Goodreads. If I didn't like the book that much, I just don't give it a rating because yeah. I don't, I don't, I can't imagine doing that. I cannot imagine doing that. Yep. But I think that that is, it's part of this world. And I, it's just, it's really, really hard. I would be surprised if you didn't have great ratings because I thought your book was great. Well, thank you. But whether I do or not, I'll never know. Sometimes Carlos goes and reads them and he'll send me good ones only. But I just, I just have no, I really have no desire. I really have no desire to know what people have yes. to say, especially if they didn't like it. I yeah. think it's better that way. But yeah. you're not, you're not giving up on writing. You have a new book coming out in the spring. I do. Well, can you tell us about your life as a novelist? Oh my gosh. I hope people like it. I don't know. Sometimes I mean, I keep just being like, are you sure this is okay? Are you sure this is okay? But I keep, <laughs> and I keep changing it. Like I've gone, I had my final round of copy edits come in and I just like rewrote the whole thing. I went oh through God. like every single sentence. I know I just can't help myself. So, and that required like, and I had a week to do it. So I woke up like every day at four for a week because my kids were here and they weren't in camp that week. And yeah, so that was kind of a, a thing, but it's called blank. It's supposed to come out on March 5th, but we might change the date, March 5th, 2024. And it's about a best-selling, former best-selling author living in LA with two kids who was two thirds of the way done with her next book. And then like the biggest author in the world went on, the equivalent of GMA and announced, did their big cover reveal and here's the book. And it was the same title and the same 
topic. So she had to toss her whole book. And the book then takes place over six days in LA when she finds out on a Monday morning that she has to have her draft in by Friday or they're going to take the advance back, which she already spent decorating her pantry and making it into an office. And so that night at dinner, she's talking to her son because she keeps staring at the blank page over and over and over again. And he says, well, why don't you just hand it in blank? And she says, oh my gosh, that is the best idea. It'll be a commentary on the publishing industry. And I'll try to make it a bestseller without even having a word inside. And that's what happens. I love this. First of all, now you really have to read Yellow Face, but that is so fascinating. Yeah. Has this changed? Was there an amnesia piece to this book before? No, no amnesia. Okay. So it starts there, but it's really about her and her three best friends. It's about her being a mom. It's about her difficult relationship with her husband and her mom and, you know, just getting through the day. And she has this like secret job, secret thing on the side with like this private Instagram account that blows up. And I don't know, it's amusing. And I don't even know where all the plot came from. There's like a lot of twists and I almost gave it up. And then over Thanksgiving, I was like telling my whole family about what it is about. Cause I was like, I think I'm just going to scrap it. I just don't have time to do this. And then I was describing the plot and I was like, I don't remember how I came up with this, but you know what? I'm going to keep going. (laughs) (laughs) Did you find it more difficult to write a novel than to write your memoir? Totally different. Cause you write a lot of, you before bookends, you had written a lot of personal essays, a lot about yourself and your own life. I've written a number of novels as well. Oh, right. Okay. (laughs) But I, I am not, I I mean, I would never think of myself as a novelist. Like, it sounds so lofty. Like, I've written a novel. I get it, but you're going to have a published novel, so you're going to be a novel. You are a novelist. But I feel like (laughs) a novelist is so, like, literary and, you know, implies, like, dozens of novels. You know, so I I think, you know, my novel is fun and I don't know. I have all these ideas for other books, so I'm just, like, keeping them written down. But I don't know. It was much harder. I think it was yeah. much harder to write a novel than to write. I I agree, by the way. Yeah, you, you just finished your, You just finished a novel. Tell me about that. What was that well, like Well, I you? did so many drafts. I found it, it... It was really hard. The hardest thing for me was to get outside of my own head and inhabit someone else's consciousness. I just feel like that was really difficult for me. And I am a total... In the, in the panzer-plotter dichotomy, I'm like 100% a plotter. No surprise there. Like as a person who is very controlling, I don't know if you are the same, but you know, this idea of just, it was really, it was like exercising a creative muscle that I had not used in a really long time or maybe ever. Mm -hmm. And that was, that was really challenging. I found that part the most challenging of it. Like coming up with fun ideas for the plot, that was fine. And even the writing I actually like really enjoyed, but it was the inhabiting another character and that I found that really, I found that really tough. I have a lot of, well, I, I already had a lot of respect for novelists and actors and people who do that for a living, but I have even more now. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so the book is out, you, the company is buzzing. What is next for you besides those, all those wonderful things? I don't know. I'm just, right now I'm focused on sort of this rebrand, not rebrand, but really consolidating Zippy Media into the consumer facing piece so that everything sort of integrates more. I'm focused on growth and like getting everything to grow. 
I'm focused on figuring out how to integrate launching a book with running a company and having (laughs) my name on the company and my name on the book and everybody being like, are you publishing the book? And I'm like, no, I'm not. (laughs) So even today, my son was like, wait, did you get paid to write that book? And I was like, yes, I got why. And he's like, why did they pay you? And I was like, because I wrote a book, you know, so I'm working on all of that branding and messaging, but I find that really fun. And my favorite sort of pastime is, you know, messing around with websites. And so we have this new website that I've just taught myself how to use this whole new program. And so we're trying to finalize that. And I actually find that like very therapeutic and really fun to do. So um, looking forward to having our new Zivi Media website up very soon. Um, And then who knows next year? I don't know. I don't know. I hope we'll be up by this airs, but maybe Zibby software development or website design is like going to be next in your... No, 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 no. <laughs> it's not. It's not. No, it's it's not coming next. Oh, well, I can't wait for one to see where you're going. I hope I get to come along for the ride. And thank you so much, Zibby, for being on the podcast. Well, congratulations on the podcast. I'm honored that you had me on and I always love talking to you. I love an excuse to talk to you too. <laughs> So before my What If Year was even released, uh, this is like a fun fact that not a lot of people know. It hit number one uh, in pre-releases on the Amazon job hunting charts, which was ridiculous. I, I felt so bad for those people and that they were going to want to refund after reading my book because there was no job advice whatsoever to be found in it. But people do reach out to me all the time for career advice, and I don't ever know what to tell them. But luckily. I know some people who do have really good career advice. So I've told you already this season about my partnership with Evolve Me, a professional development company for women in midlife. And on Extra Shot, we are doing some amazing things. And I brought in Evolve Me's co-founders today, women's career strategists, Harvard grads, moms, and rock stars for a very special segment I've called Ask Judy and Linda. So welcome to Extra Shot, you guys. Thanks so much for having us here, Alicia. We're really excited for you. Yeah, thanks, Alicia. I'm excited to be here with you. And I'm really excited that you're going to take all the pressure off of me uh, answering this question that has come through from the wonderful Amy. So I'm going to read to you Amy's question, and we would love to hear your advice. So Amy writes, I have been a civil engineer my entire nine-year career. And I often find myself dreaming of what could have been, or more so, what could still be. In the beginning, I was making career decisions based on what was easy or most beneficial instead of what I was passionate about. After I used my maternity leave benefit this year, I feel like I will have gotten everything I need out of this career. I want to set a positive example for my daughter of enjoying going to work. Life is too short to be unhappy for 40 plus hours a week. Amen on that, Amy. I tried switching careers over a year ago and applied to 13 entry-level jobs in various industries and got zero feedback. Most of the companies didn't even bother to reject me. I was completely ignored. Much like you, I was overqualified for these positions, and I just wanted a chance to explain my desire to try something new. You were lucky to have either background knowledge or strong personal connections for your internships. How should I convince people to give me a chance in an industry where I don't have experience? Most jobs don't allow the flexibility to take a month off of work to pursue an unpaid internship. So I would have to quit my high paying job to take that path. Without testing the waters through an internship, I'm afraid I'll choose a new career that won't be what I imagine and may fall into these unsatisfied feelings again. Thank you, Amy. So brilliant and wise women, what do we have to say to Amy? 
So Amy, this is such a fantastic question. And first know that this is a type of question that Judy and I hear all the time. So you're not alone. So the first thing I would say is, you know, you've been a civil engineer for nine years and, and you're wondering, you know, what could be, but it's really important to lose the regret about your role that you have now, because taking a role, you know, in that focuses on your strengths, what comes naturally to you and, and what you can get compensated well for, that is a great foundation for taking your first job. And I bet if you really thought about it and looked back, you haven't been unhappy all nine years. It's just that now it's so common for women to start second guessing, you know, the, the job, the decisions they've made in the past based on how they're feeling in the future. But right now you're just at a different life stage. You've had, you have a daughter, so your priorities have shifted. So, um, so that's number one, like lose the regret about your current role, because I think that you've probably gotten so much out of it and have so much to show for it. And then stop and think what you have liked about your career and what it is that's missing. It's, you don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Just try to focus on what's missing and that will give you some clarity as to what you are looking for in your next career. Because otherwise, if you're kind of just throwing resumes out to just explore different areas of interest, it's what we call a spray and pray method. So don't feel bad that those didn't work out because what you need to be able to do first is take stock, get clarity on what it is you're looking to do, and then start taking stock of your skills that you have right now, your both your technical skills and those softer, more transferable skills, take stock of that and think about how those can match with a next opportunity. So when you when you start getting more clear on what's missing for you in your next role and what you have to offer, it becomes easier to connect the dots for employers for next opportunities. You also want to think about if it's possible within your role now, and Judy's going to give you some great ideas for exploring new opportunities, but also think about if it's possible within your new role that there might be small shifts that you can make to get some of what's missing in your career now without leaving at all or or to upskill so that you can set yourself up for the next next opportunity. And Judy has some fantastic ways that you can explore new opportunities without an internship. Great. Thanks, Linda. This is Judy. And so, yeah, not everybody is as lucky or able to um, do what Alicia did to take that time off to have those internships, but not to worry. There are very concrete, um, specific ways that you can test the waters without doing an internship or even leaving your current role. And we have several tips for that. And we've worked with many, many women who've taken these courses and been successful. So we wish that for you. So the first one is, Talk to people who have the roles you actually want, right? Connections are going to help you if you do, do want to make a pivot, you know, relationships are everything. And you want to really understand sometimes, you know, it's, it's not that the grass is always greener, right? Information is everything when it comes to understanding like a typical day that this person has in that role that you're interested in, you know, the kinds of tasks they do, their responsibilities, the opportunities for growth, all those things. And talk Talking to people who actually do the jobs that you wish to do will give you so much clarity, as Linda was talking about, into whether this is something that you want to pursue. And you'll also get connected, you know, in, 
in new networks in the industry that you're interested in. So it's really a win-win. So, you know, you want to ask them, like, what are the technical skills that they're looking for? You have so many. We know that as a civil engineer. And also you have leadership skills. You have, you know, I'm sure you have organizational skills, communication skills, interpersonal skills. So um, try to find out what the skills um, that are in demand from people who have the jobs that you can bring forward from your past career. And how does that stack up with what you have now? And where do you need to fill the gaps? Another way to um, get, you know, this experience in testing the waters is right at your desk or on your phone. So head to LinkedIn to join industry groups, whatever industry you're looking to pivot in. There are so many different associations and groups online that you can go and follow and see the posts that they are, you know, putting out into the world. You can also see who is a thought leader in your field and follow them. So you can start to familiarize yourself with the kinds of topics, conversations in this field, and that you can become more skilled at having conversations once you actually, you know, apply for jobs and get informational interviews and, and, you know, so forth. And LinkedIn is a great place to get nosy, like snoop around. There's lots of free events on LinkedIn, LinkedIn lives. It's a really great way to get a sense of, of a new industry or new field. And another way to get a good feel for a new industry, especially if you're thinking about a big pivot, is through taking a free course. Now, again, there are a lot of free courses on LinkedIn, but there are also lots of other Coursera and Udemy and lots of other platforms that have free content um, where you can decide whether this is the right thing for you. Linda tells a story before we started working together in founding Evolve Me of she thought she might want to go into fashion design. And she took a course and realized, actually, that's a passion and a hobby (laughs) for me, but not necessarily what I want to do for my line of work um, day in and day out. So that can also give you that sense of clarity. Another way that Linda brought up too is that other ways to explore in the the role that you have now, your passions. So are there other, you know, side projects or other responsibilities that you can add on um, to your current role where you can inject your passion and inject more of what you love to do? And that will also help position you for the future. Because if you have that experience within the role that you have now, you're bringing that out into the world when you're looking for other roles outside your current company. And lastly, um, we like this one. If you do have some time, we know it sounds like you're pretty busy having just, you know, coming off a of maternity leave, but maybe in the next year or two, things will settle out or maybe even in the next few months. And you can micro experiment. So you don't have to sign up for the full on huge internship or anything like that. But there are ways that you can strategically volunteer and contribute your time to causes and, you know, your passions or companies just to dip your toe in the water and see if this is the kind of field that you want to be in. And that's, you know, easy to do to volunteer roles. There's also another route that you can take too by joining boards. Those are volunteer positions that are more structured to give you a sense of, you know, a new role or a new field and and to kind of open your eyes. So these are all ways that you can try out. We we love um, the whole idea of trying on new ways to be um, when you're pivoting and you don't have to leave the role that you have now and you don't necessarily have to take time off. And all of these strategies will really help position you for a future role. 
while you're, you know, maintaining uh, your current position. So we were so excited by your question. There are so many different parts to it that really resonated with us and, and a lot of the women that we work with. So we wish you good luck and let us know how it's going. Amy, I bet you're so glad you emailed me and then got this really fantastic answer. Linda and Judy, thank you so, so much for that. Um, If you enjoyed this and you have a question, please email me or shoot it to me on LinkedIn or Instagram, and maybe we can get another segment of Ask Linda and Judy. Judy and Linda, back for another round of advice. But the other amazing thing is that you can go to evolveme.work anytime and learn more about what they do. They've got a new cohort of their Reinvention Collective that is starting on October the 24th. And that is still available to join. It's going to be amazing. I have no doubt you'll get all of this brilliant advice and be part of a community of women who are dealing with the same issues that you are. So thank you both so much for your advice and for being on the show today. Thank you, Alicia. We're so excited to be part of your new show. Thanks, Alicia. This is a lot of fun. Thanks so much for tuning in today to Extra Shot with Alicia Fernandez Miranda. A special shout out to the team at Texture Sound for all their support. If you're in the mood for more of me, pick up a copy of my What If Year, which is out now in bookstores everywhere. Sign up for my mailing list on aliciafmiranda.com or find me on Instagram at aliciafmiranda. I can promise news, views, and memes about Gilmore Girls. If you have feedback, ideas for upcoming segments, burning questions, things you need advice on, please reach out. And otherwise, we'll catch you on the next Extra Shot.